0: back to the horse. Hi, I'm Elise. I'm Shay. And here we are with a movie in honor of the holiday season, Krampus 2015.
1: Yes. So last year we did Black Christmas, which was a little bit of a flop.
0: Yeah. Wait, did we even do that last year? Was that
1: two years ago? Holy fuck. <laughs> We've been at this for a little bit, haven't we? I think technically our holiday movie last year was Orphan.
0: I don't even know. I think we might've just taken a hiatus last year on the holidays.
1: I remember we wanted to do Orphan because I said it was winter-ish.
0: Yeah, so we did Hellraiser on December 8th and then Orphan was in January. Yeah.
1: Wow. What a collection.
0: Hellraiser was awesome.
1: It was.
0: At first, I hated it, but I still think about it fondly.
1: That makes me so happy that you're like, <laughs> Hellraiser fucking rules. Like, yeah, that's it really awesome. really
0: does. That's awesome.
1: But yes, I think when a lot of people think of Christmas horror, many people who aren't avid horror fans are like, oh, Krampus. And like, I see why, but this is a comedy.
0: <laughs> I did not know. That this was going to be a comedy.
1: And it is. And it is. Adam Scott should have warned us. Or the presence of Adam Scott should have warned us. I
0: forgot he was in this. I just remember when it came out. Everyone made jokes about how it sounded like a horror movie about periods. Krampus. Uh-huh. And I remember thinking yes. Not knowing that periods were already a very common element of horror movies. Oh, all over <laughs> the place. Hello, Ginger snap Yes, seriously. But I remember hearing about this. Honestly, actually, I don't I don't remember hearing about this. I just remember seeing commercials and being freaked out by it. 2015, I was a different me.
1: You know, this is fun. I still think Better Watch Out Reigns Supreme in terms of our favorite holiday horror movie. Oh yeah. It's up there.
0: Oh, yeah. This one is, I think, also pretty good, too. Yeah, as long as you go into this
1: not taking it seriously,
0: it's a lot of fun. I agree. So let's get into it. Yes. So we do have a lot of ladies in this movie. So we start with the Tony Collette as Sarah Angle. And she's like the mother of the main little boy. And we know Tony Collette. We heart Tony Collette is what I wrote. Then we have Alison Tolman as Linda, and she plays Tony Collette's character's sister. And she's known mostly for her role as Molly in the Fargo television series. Then we have Conchata Farrell as Aunt Dorothy. She would be the character Sarah and Linda's aunt. Then we have Stefania Levy-Owen as Beth Angle, and she plays Tony Collette's character's daughter. And she's most known for her role as Dorrit Bradshaw in the teen drama television series, The Carrie Diaries. And then we have Krista Stadler as Omi. She's Granny Angle, so she is Tom's mother. Then we have Lolo Owen as Stevie. And fun fact, in real life, she is Stefania Levy-Owen's sister. Ah. But in this movie, they play cousins. And then Queenie Samuel as Jordan. So just to kind of get the family tree going, Sarah Angle and Linda are sisters. Linda is married to her husband, and they have a bunch of kids. Stevie and Jordan are the two girls in that family. Then Sarah is married to her husband, Tom, and they have their son, Max, and daughter, Beth. And then Aunt Dorothy is like the great aunt. She's there uninvited and she has great comedic relief. And Omi is Tom's mother. Yes. And it seems like she lives with the Angles. Yes. Like she's like fully living there. Okay. So pre-plot trivia, the film was originally to release on November 25th, 2015, but was pushed back to December 4th to coincide with Krambooshnacht. A traditional Austrian festival held on December 5th that celebrates the Krampus coming to punish naughty children, which I thought was kind of fun. We get a lot of shots of the neighborhood in this movie. Early shots of the other houses are all digital. The designers took time to design some of them after famous houses from the 80s. Similarly, the film features some subliminal imagery, and they added secret occult imagery into the movie. Ooh. Yeah, so I thought that was cool, kind of thinking about how, like, establishing the neighborhood, they're already trying to really set the mood subliminally. There are a lot of Easter eggs in this movie that reference director Michael Doherty's film Trick or Treat. And I put this in here for you because that doesn't really mean anything to me. But a lot of the pre-plot trivia I found, of course, on IMDb talks about things he did to reference Trick or Treat.
1: Yeah, Trick or Treat is an anthology movie that has a lot of different scary stories wrapped up in one movie. And there's some through lines that go throughout all of them. And one of them is this character, Sam, which you may have seen. He kind of has like an orange jumpsuit. He looks almost like like a voodoo doll. I don't know exactly what to call that or if that's the most sensitive way to say that, but it's like some sort of doll with like a... a rag doll? No, it's like one you would poke a pin in to hurt somebody. Yeah, I think you would call it voodoo doll. Yeah, and it has like a burlap sack over his head, but he's like very cute. Like he's like, like a cute little guy. Oh, something about this is... Google Sam from Trick or Treat, and he's just this cute little guy, and he's just like a horror figure. I haven't seen Trick or Treat, but I always hear good things about it.
0: Oh, I have seen this guy before. Yeah. He's kind of cute.
1: He's very cute, but yeah, Trick or Treat is well acclaimed. And I think we've thought about covering it, but because it's an anthology and those things aren't related, it was going to be a little hard, but maybe we'll revisit it.
0: Maybe. And then finally, Krampus is a huge part of Austrian and German folklore. In Austria and southern Germany, they have Krampus runs where grown up men dress up as Krampuses and parade through the city streets and scare children. So it's like a Santa run, like a yes! Santa 5K, but just, oh my God, that's so funny. Yes. Who the bleep is Krampus? Who is he? You Let's tell talk me. about him. You I'll tell, tell me. Tell you. Okay, so this is from Botanica. Krampus, in Central European popular legend, is a half-goat, half-demon monster that punishes misbehaving children at Christmas time.
1: So a distant cousin of Black Philip.
0: Yeah, oh, it all comes back to Black Philip. Always. He is the devilish companion of St. Nicholas. Krampus is believed to have originated in Germany, and his name derives from the German word krampen, which means claw. Krampus was thought to have been part of pagan rituals for the winter solstice. According to legend, he is the son of H-E-L, Hel, or Hel, the Norse god of the underworld. With the spread of Christianity, Krampus became associated with Christmas, despite efforts by the Catholic Church to ban him. (laughs) The creature and St. Nicholas are said to arrive on the evening of December 5th, Kramschnacht, or Krampus Night. While St. Nicholas rewards nice children by leaving presents, Krampus beats those who are naughty with branches and sticks. Oh my gosh. (laughs) In some cases, he is said to eat them or take them to hell. On December 6th, St. Nicholas Day, children awaken to find their gifts or nurse their injuries. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I love this. (laughs) Yeah. The movie, I mean, plays into all of this, I would say. I mean, with the exception of the movie takes place, you know, the days leading up to the 25th of December as opposed to the 5th. And it's not just children who are preyed upon. But I mean, hey, I'm seeing this lore come to life on the screen. Close
1: enough. And I almost want to see what other artistic depictions of Krampus looks like. Because I do like the creature design of Krampus in this.
0: That was another piece of trivia I saw, which, how did that not make it on here? But the design for Krampus came from compiling different mm. images of Krampus from, like, postcards, images, paintings, and using that to inform the design. Oh, I love that. Also, A Christmas Carol, The Ghost of Christmas Future, Death, that was also inspiration for this Krampus's design. He's always partially hooded, and he looks very sinister, like Death coming to collect and they do play that movie in this movie. I know! Which I love. Which turns out to be very significant. Mm. we will get there.
1: I'm excited. Okay, so
0: how do we start?
1: Okay, so <laughs> we open with a Black Friday stampede. I said full of carols and OSHA violations. Because <laughs> you see people rushing into this, I think it's called a Mega Mart or something like that. It's supposed to be Walmart. And people are fighting over toys. And I kind of like that they kept it very kid-centric because I'm like, where are the flat screen TVs? Because that's what people are actually fighting over. But no, people are fighting over rocking horses and stuffed animals and knocking people off of ladders and (laughs) just not safe work conditions for these people. So we see this, starting to see that the holiday season is causing people to go a little bit mad. And then we finally zoom in on a kid fight (laughs) where we are introduced to our protagonist, Max. He looks to be about like a 10 11 year old boy and he is fighting with another child until his parents tom and sarah rush in to break it up then we are put in the kitchen panning over delicious looking baked goods as a christmas carol plays on the tv and omi is watching the christmas carol and really enjoying baking her cookies until her family enters arguing about the kid fight
0: Yes. And I originally thought this was Black Friday too, but they're getting ready for their family to arrive. Is this just the continued holiday madness? I think so. Yeah. It's so funny. It's all in slow motion. Yes. Which really, I love a good prolonged slow motion scene. When there is comedy. So the family is home now. They are preparing for their extended family to arrive youngest member of the family is Max and he's getting in trouble for being one of the boys in the fight. The other kid said Santa wasn't real and he felt the need to defend which also they said something about coming back from a recital. Which I was like, weren't you just in a store?
1: Yeah, I was confused because I'm so confused. It was a nativity play.
0: Yeah, but it was in the middle of this department store. Which maybe that happens, but I was a little bit confused here.
1: Maybe it was just like a very weird scene transition where they like left the department store just to establish, hey, it is the holiday season and then we're in a different room.
0: But it seemed like it
1: was a continuation of the same space. You're right. It is weird.
0: It is weird. But he beat up a kid for saying Santa wasn't real. Max knows that, but he feels like he needs to kind of protect the spirit of Santa for the sake of the other kids. Max, it is very clear, loves Christmas and still wants to do all the old traditions. He wants to write Santa a letter. He wants to watch Charlie Brown with his family, but his family seem a little bit preoccupied. Beth, his older sister, who's what, like 15? 15, 16. She's like, fuck this. And Tom and Sarah are busy preparing again for their extended family to arrive. Omi, she seems like she's in the Christmas spirit. I mean, the kitchen island is a full of cookies, like a million different kinds. She must've been baking for five days straight. And Max and Omi seem pretty close. They seem like they share a Christmas understanding. I love the moment Sarah hangs the family picture that they took with Santa Claus on the wall with their other family portraits with Santa. And she notices that Santa is like checking out Beth's physique. Yeah. Which is like funny, but also so gross, but really telling as to how this holiday season is turning out so far. Yeah, there's conversations
1: between Beth and Sarah. Of like, you know, why do we even have to host them anyway? You even said before that they shouldn't breed. And Sarah's like, I didn't say that. I said they should take a test
0: before they should be allowed to breed.
1: Like, again, and then Beth, you know, we see Beth in her attic bedroom giving very cheaper brother dozen.
0: Yeah. Like,
1: very cool attic bedroom. And she's on FaceTime with her boyfriend, Derek. She's complaining that she can't go over his house. We have to host my cousins who are too busy crawling out of the shallow end of the gene pool. (laughs) (laughs) Like there's just so many digs about, okay, what is this family going to be like when they show up? And then the house begins to shake because a Hummer has pulled up outside. (laughs) And I wrote, this is very National Lampoon Christmas Vacation. Yes. With the RV on the
0: front lawn. Yeah. And this is exactly, I think, what it's probably modeled after. This movie really takes a lot of like favorite moments from Christmas movies, which is cool. The extended family has arrived. We have again, Aunt Linda, Sarah's sister, Uncle Howard, her husband, (laughs) Aunt Dorothy, who is just rude, but I end up absolutely adoring Aunt Dorothy. And then the cousins, Howie Jr., Stevie and Jordan, and their bulldog, Rosie. In a baby. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, it's so funny I forgot because the family also forgets baby Chrissy in the Hummer and they have to go out and get her.
1: <laughs> yes. And then we are introduced to a very Griswold family dinner scene where Linda and her husband are complaining that Sarah's food is too hoity-toity for them. And she's like, well, excuse me. I gave you a break from hot dogs and mac and cheese. <laughs> like, just so many little digs. We also learn that Tom was an Eagle Scout, and this is just to underline that Tom is survival trained, okay? (laughs) We know that Howard likes guns. He seems to be very much a right-leaning individual, where Tom seems to be more of a white collar, whatever. We even get some political commentary later on in the film about this that's funny, There's also conflict happening between Stevie and little Max because they're making fun of his belief in Santa and they found his letter to Santa.
0: And they commence reading it out loud at the family table. I think all are present at this point, except for Sarah, who's in the kitchen getting the creme brulee ready, which I love creme brulee. (laughs) I was so afraid that at one point it was going to get knocked over, but it wasn't. She's got the hand torch. Like she's ready. She's ready. So Stevie and Jordan start reading this letter out loud. At first, we're scared it's going to be embarrassing, but then it becomes very heartwarming. He's wishing for more time with his sister, like when they were younger. He wishes for his parents to fall in love again and for help with Uncle Howard and Aunt Linda. This seems like it's implying like financial help, like just making sure that they're okay. Like it's very sweet and heartwarming. And then Stevie goes quiet as she finishes reading the letter and then looks up and is like,
1: my dad doesn't wish we were boys. These two little girls are very butch babies. <laughs> like they are baby butches, butches which I really appreciate it because not all girls look like Beth at that age. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just such a funny line in that trope.
0: Then a fight breaks out because of that last line <laughs> and Creme almost hits the ground, but we're safe. And then Max runs away upstairs. And Dorothy says that Max deserves a prize for telling the truth, (laughs) which I
1: loved. (laughs) And he keeps telling the truth because Tom, his dad, goes to check on him. And Max says, why do we have to put up with our crap just because we share DNA? And I'm like, facts,
0: Max. Facts, Max. I mean, this whole scene is extreme. But I mean, everything so far, I think, is speaking to universal truths exactly
1: because Tom doesn't really have an answer to that he's like you know I don't actually know maybe being family makes us work harder to find things that we have in common with others and I'm like okay like that's a really good way to cover your ass and say that hey I don't like my family either but we have to sit here and be miserable on the happiest day of the year (laughs) because we have nothing in common just because we do share a gene pool like Mm -hmm. I think these conversations happen between immediate family members every single year whether it be about the entire extended family or just this one cousin or a creepy uncle whatever the fuck it is right and I'm like okay this is really relatable and i appreciate it but the scene ends with max rereading his letter he now hates christmas and he rips up the letter and tosses it out the window where it is then sucked up into the sky very mystically
0: the grinch who stole christmas i hate christmas yeah (laughs) baby grinch on the mountain Just then, as the letter floats away into the sky, a massive storm cloud rolls in over the family's house and the subsequent neighborhood and cuts power to the entire location. Max wakes up to lots of
1: snow and then a mysterious snowman in the yard that wasn't built by anybody. Beth says, can I go see my boyfriend? Because her phone isn't working. Nobody's phones are working. There's no power. There's no nothing. So they're like, okay, fine. It's only a couple blocks Go walk down the street. And as she's leaving, she discovers that there's a delivery man with a bunch of presents on the front doorstep that Linda and Howard
0: sign for. So then they bring in this bag and there's this like mysterious, massive sack of presents. Meanwhile, Beth is walking down the street. It's super cold. Her scarf is not thick enough. You know, I would just have my eyes showing at this point because the weather is really bad outside. I can look at her and I feel cold. You know what it reminds me of? You
1: know exactly what I'm going to say. Uh, yes, I do. We had a friend in college. <laughs> <laughs> Linda, we love you. We, one of, Our best friend from college. I lived way off campus before the rest of our friend group did, and it was a snow day. And I did not make the trek because I already lived there, but all of you individually made the trek out there to spend the snow day off campus. Our friend arrived last, and her face... <laughs> was so red and she had like frost on her <laughs> eyebrows like that's exactly what you need to be thinking of it's not like her face was red not because it was cold like frostbitten it face. was it was really bad it was bad like she was wearing sunglasses to, yes, to shield is. her eyes
0: there's <laughs> a picture somewhere there is a picture somewhere i don't know where it is it's probably on my laptop oh right, my i'll gosh. look for that this holiday season oh my god amazing let's make her a uh, christmas card <laughs> <laughs> So things are creepy, obviously, because the weather is bad. And then it gets super, super dark. It looks like it becomes nighttime plus a storm's going on. And Beth notices a scary guy on a rooftop at a house next to her.
1: The guy lands on a rooftop and he has jingle bells, but he's also wearing chains. So the chains clinging
0: almost sound like, you know, Santa's sleigh bells. That's giving like Jacob Marley in A Christmas Carol. Oh. You know, the whole thing where he like wears chains. Oh, okay. For all the souls that he took advantage of in his waking life. And now he has to carry them all over the place with him. Well, Krampus and the elves are always adorned with chains. Mm. Very, back to Hellraiser. I don't know. Mm.
1: But... I was so happy that (laughs) they brought attention to the fact that a man landing on your roof is not a comforting thing. (laughs) Yeah. That shit is terrifying. Like just some random bearded dude landing on your
0: fucking roof and entering your house through your fireplace. (laughs) It is really scary. What do kids say these days? Parents probably have to tell their kids that Santa has like a thorough background check every year.
1: Yeah. He knows the house code or something like that to get it. And there he has a directory. a background
0: check, honey. I don't because, know. Or we can't, but it's the magic that makes it pop. I don't know. I just, I feel like kids these days aren't as quick to just like trust that narrative, but I don't know. And
1: who has fireplaces anymore, you know? That's true. It doesn't matter. Either way... Beth sees the dude and is like, nope, I'm running home. So she begins to run home. But then this figure begins hopping from rooftop to rooftop to pursue her, which is terrifying. We don't see much of the figure except that he is hooded. He has hooves
0: and horns. Yeah, he's tricked out. As she's running down the street, she sees the same delivery truck driver that arrived at her house earlier. She runs to approach him, but then finds his dead frozen body inside, which sucks. I think about UPS and FedEx and DHL on the holidays all the time. Those people are out there. They are fighting for their lives. They really are. (laughs) Literally. They really are. So she hides under his van and we can see, of course, the hooves of Krampus or whoever that is walking around outside the vehicle. And just when we think that Krampus has left and she's in the clear, she notices a spooky Jack in the Box starts to play a sinister version of Silent Night. And then it opens and a spooky creature comes out and attacks Beth. The scene cuts on her screams and we're back at home.
1: So we get a flash of the time. It is 7.17 in the evening, still dark outside, and Beth has not returned. Max is worried. Then Tom and Sarah are worried. Tom wants to go get her from Derek's house where he thinks that she is. So...
0: (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I love this part so much. Tell it okay so you know they remember that of course howard has a hummer so tom's like all right you know i'll go ask howard if he wants to go so he walks into the living room and he's like hey howard do you want to come with me to drive to pick up beth at her whatever in your hummer and howard's just like lucinda <laughs> <laughs> because his hummer's name is lucinda and he's like i could point her due east hit the gas and she'd be storming the beaches of normandy by sunrise <laughs> This man loves his Hummer. But he's ready for the mission. Yeah. And I love that. Oh, and he even says, I've been waiting for you to ask. So he has been literally waiting for this moment. So they get into the Hummer and they go on their recon mission. Despite Omi's protestations, Omi tries to keep him inside because she's nervous. She's looking like, maybe you know something, Omi. I don't know. But they go anyway.
1: So they go out in the Hummer in search of Beth and they find a busted tow truck and Derek's frozen over house. They look inside. It looks like it was broken into. So Howard goes and gets his guns.
0: Which I love again, because Tom's like, you brought guns to Christmas? And he's like, yeah.
1: <laughs> and then he hands Tom a gun. He's like, oh my gosh, this is heavier than I thought. And he's like, oh yeah, that one's
0: Linda's. <laughs> yes! just emasculating him at every turn. Yes, it's so, oh my God. I just, I love their banter. Oh, it's so good. So they arm themselves with the shotguns and we get a scene back at the house Sarah and Linda are kind of having this nice moment, which I like the parallels of the husbands are having a nice moment. The sisters are having a nice moment. And then they hear footsteps of sorts on the roof followed by a loud bang. And I just love how in denial Sarah is. She's like, it's fine. It's squirrels. It's squirrels, <laughs> but it's the biggest bang, like not a squirrel. Although I will say, and I told you this earlier, I had a bird feeder back there (laughs) that is, I'm not going to say it was substantial, but it was pretty substantial. And I went out, it's gone now. Like they took it. And I know that they took it. (laughs) No sign of that bird feeder anywhere, but it's fine. So yeah, loud bang going on. We're sowing the fear. Back on the recon mission, they are in Derek's snowy deserted house now. They find a gingerbread man pinned to the fridge with a knife. Bob style. Bob style, which seems to disturb Howard. He's like, some sick fuck must've done this. And they see a huge hole in the fireplace, which Howard tries to rationalize maybe as like a gas leak explosion or something. Then they notice these huge ass hoof prints in snow dust on the floor. And just then they hear Beth screaming for help somewhere outside the house.
1: So they go pursue her screaming, Howard is a little behind Tom and gets his foot caught on something. It is pulling him under the snow. Something is pulling him under the surface of the snow. And you got to think that this snow is at least like two feet high at this point. So they're waiting in the snow. So we can't see what it is. It keeps trying to pull him. Tom keeps trying to pull him up. And then Tom eventually shoots at whatever is holding on to Howard. It slithers away. And I wrote big worm from Spongebob energy. Yes like what's it? i forget what it's called the bullworm. the bullworm. the texas
0: bullworm. the texas bullworm. is that what it
1: was i don't know but it like it goes yeah. under the sand and you can only see like its impression in the sand as it's slithering away i'm pretty sure in nightmare three there's a scene where the freddy worm does that too yes yeah it's I like made that the freddy
0: worm yeah really interesting demon and i don't think we ever see the worm but no. we just know it's there well we s- later Oh, wait, is that what it's supposed to be? I think that's what it's supposed to be. That's the only
1: thing of that shape. Oh
0: my God, you're right. And that's what reminded me that it- it doesn't move that fast, does it? Because it was full. Oh my God. Wow. Well, you've just posed a very interesting theory. Okay. And that's why I was
1: like, oh, it's a Freddy worm because of the way it looks. Right. Okay. I'll take Freddy worm over this worm any day. Really?
0: Maybe I lie. Uh, Okay. Okay. Maybe I would take this worm. Okay. (laughs) Actually, I don't think I'll take either. (laughs) Yeah. I would like neither, please. No, thanks. So, of course, this is a moment because Tom saved Howard. Howard gets back to the house with Tom's help. They make it in right before Sarah goes out herself to look for them. Of course, they're still beth And they obviously report back, there's a thing outside. We don't know what's going on, blah, blah, blah. So they work together to board up the house while Dorothy watches the kids in the living room.
1: Yes, she gets put on <laughs> babysitter detail. And she's like, fine, I'll show them how to make peppermint schnapps. <laughs> I
0: love that it's like honestly like anything desperate times peppermint schnapps the more this movie goes on the more we are all dorothy i do love the reference to schnapps though because when i was 16 i went to austria and we went to see this show with these men in like these tight leather overalls it's like a thing they do like a dance routine okay and at one point they pulled a bunch of volunteers up on stage and they gave them a shot of schnapps Mm. and i had it You got pulled up. Well, I volunteered. I was like, take me. I was so precocious when I was young. Oh my gosh. I was like, please take me. There were like 12 of us. It was like a group. Right. And that was the first shot of anything I ever took. And I felt it. And so I love that they have schnapps in this because it is Austrian. It's like very German-Austrian.
1: So Omi is also sent to the kitchen with the children, but Omi warns them to keep the fire hot, which will become important. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile... Tom and Howie fill in Linda and Sarah about what the fuck just happened. Sarah's like, we got to go get Beth. But Tom convinces her that they have to stay put until the weather breaks. The kids eventually overhear like what the fuck is going on. They see that Howard has a huge bite mark on his ankle. So obviously something is afoot here. Max is like, and Omi's acting all weird. And Tom says, Omi always gets weird around
0: Christmas. Mm Mm-hmm. Wonder why. Meanwhile, Tom and Howard have a tender moment where Howard apologizes for thinking Tom was a spineless dick all these years. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, then we have that moment with Omi again, sewing this ominous vibe around her then Howard volunteers to stay awake to keep watch while the family sleeps. And I love how the immediate next shot, we see Howard asleep and snoring along with everybody else. And the fire has died down as well. And that moment aligns with the iPad also dying.
1: I was wondering if the Christmas carols were kind of acting as a failsafe because the iPad died at the same time the fire went out. Would the Christmas carols be acting as like a buffer between the elves? You know what I mean? Mm. I was like, was that a second line of defense?
0: That's interesting. I don't know. It doesn't
1: matter. But like, right. I just thought that was interesting that
0: those two things coincided. I watch all these movies with subtitles. I watch all my shit with subtitles now. I yeah. get so much more out of it. The subtitle for this moment is that there is a chittering noise. Mm-hmm. Chittering! I hate that word. Chittering. It sounds terrifying.
1: There is a chittering in the chimney. <laughs> a hook on a chain descends down the chimney. And then I wrote, a gingerbread man on a chain like a spy appears. Like it's almost like skydiving almost. And it looks like it's on some sort of impossible recon mission. (laughs) It's very funny.
0: And it's a gingerbread man that looks exactly like the one that was pinned to the fridge, by the way.
1: Yes. And then we see Howie Jr., whose only character trait is that he is food motivated. (laughs) He's like Augustus Gloop. Yeah, he doesn't say anything though. Like he just kind of stands there very like dummy-faced. Mm-hmm. But he is very food motivated. So he goes and he takes a bite out of that gingerbread cookie. That's him taking some bait because as the gingerbread man animates to life, he wraps Howie Jr. up in
0: the chains and begins to pull him up the chimney. Sarah wakes up with all the commotion, of course, along with the others. She's the first one to get to him and grab his foot. Then she starts being grabbed up the chimney as well. People are grabbing onto her foot. They're trying to pull her down. Eventually, she's attacked by another gingerbread man <laughs> or by the same one. I'm not sure, but there's a gingerbread man who attacks her. She loses grip and we lose Howie Jr. to the gingerbread man. I
1: wrote, no one should let Tony Collette near a fireplace after Hereditary.
0: <laughs> this was technically before Hereditary, but right. like she's just got bad vibes vibes with fireplaces <laughs> i do have some trivia about this abduction scene Ooh, tell me okay so also from amdb so the gingerbread cookie that is lowered down the chimney is attached to a hook a meat hook is one of iceland's 13 yule lads who carries a meat hook which he lowers down chimneys in order to steal meats smoking on the fire for christmas he visits on december 23rd the same night howie is taken so i thought that was kind of interesting Ooh. We haven't talked about any, like, Icelandic tradition in this, but these folk tales, you know, exist in different cultures and they change and evolve. So I thought that was interesting that this other story about, like, somebody who comes and steals Christmas meats, you know, and there's there's this kid food motivated, like you said, he gets stolen of the (laughs) chimney. Okay, so after that... The Christmas tree catches on fire because Sarah had accidentally kicked a still smoldering log out of the fire when she was up there. And after they extinguish everything, finally Omi is like, let me tell you what the fuck's going on. And I love her flashback is in like a claymation animation style. I loved it. It was giving Rudolph. Yes. Yes. It's so good. So she basically explains that the creature hunting them is Krampus, an ancient demonic spirit who punishes those who have lost the Christmas spirit. Omi recounts that when she was a child, her parents and community lost their spirit due to the hardships of, I don't think she says this exactly, but what we can assume to be like the hardships of the war in Europe. She also lost hope and wished for her parents to be taken away. And this wish summoned Krampus and he and his helpers dragged everyone except her into hell, leaving behind her and a little bell bobble, which is very like Polar Express, with his name on it as a reminder of what happens when you lose the spirit.
1: I love how threatening this is. It's not like Polar Express where they're like, all right, let's get these last ditch effort kids on this train and get them out to the North Pole to see Santa go on his fucking high horse uh-huh. and take off into the sky. No, they're just like, oh, you don't believe? You wish you didn't have a family?
0: Okay, bitch. Uh-huh. I'll make that happen
1: for you. He's a petty man. He I like that. He's a
0: petty man. But also I love thinking back to that scene with Omi and all of the shit she bakes every year. Like, you know, she's baking all that shit every year. She's baking food on food on food on food. She's trying to be like, look, Krampus, please leave me alone. Leave me alone. I learned my lesson. Howard, after hearing this, doesn't believe anything. But when he goes outside feeling all hyped up and angry and wanting to get Howie Jr. back, he sees that there are spooky shadows everywhere and there are like 20 more spooky snowmen in the front yard. And so he gets freaked out and gets pulled back inside.
1: This is one of the things in movies that gets me really good is (laughs) like the image of something running past an open line of sight, Mm. but not stopping. You know what I mean? So like you see these elves running between these snowmen and hiding behind all these summits, and you know they're there and they're just like running from one to one and you don't know where to be looking it reminds me of malevolent it reminds me of we d- haven't covered sinister but it happens in sinister a oh, lot my God. of just like these ghost kids just running by these empty hallways and you're like ah, like what the fuck like that, that <laughs> shit gets me and i think that's why i like mike flanagan shit so much because there's a lot of that in mm-hmm. like hill house especially and Bly manor that gets me not that i was like actually scared because this is a comedy but i was like ooh, i like how creepy it looks
0: right it is So the next day, the kids talk more with Omi, trying to understand what's going on. And at one point, I love this part, Dorothy translates for Omi, who is still speaking in German, saying like, she says we're fucked. And the kids ask how she understood that. And Dorothy just goes, because I'm old enough to know when life's coming at you with its pants down. (laughs) Which again, it's so, so funny. LOL. Meanwhile, mom and dad, aka Sarah and Tom, are trying to come up with a plan. Upstairs, Stevie and Jordan try to find the upstairs bathroom because they say Dorothy clogged the downstairs one. <laughs> but they hear something that sounds like Beth talking coming from some other room or the attic. Her bedroom Her, attic. Oh, that's right. Because it's both. And
1: because that's where all of the burnt presents that were found under the Christmas tree ended up going after the tree caught on Mm. fire. Because we see Linda tinkering with one at one point. You think she's going to open it and then she doesn't. Mm -hmm. And all of the presents are now in Beth's room, which is where the voice is coming from.
0: Mm -hmm. We cut back to downstairs and we just see the family's reaction as Stevie and Jordan scream upstairs. Tom, Sarah,
1: and Linda run upstairs and Howie stays downstairs because remember his leg is fucked up. So he cannot climb the stairs, but he has his gun and then Tom has a gun and they go upstairs scouting. Howie is downstairs scouting while Max and Omi cradle each other and be (laughs) useless. So they go into the attic room to find it frozen and the girls are missing. Linda now sees that these presents are busted open. What was in the presents? We're about to very quickly find out. We turn to find, (laughs) oh, oh, how do I describe this? An elf worm eating Jordan? I don't know. It almost looks like one of those like little pet tunnels that you like will send your cat through or like a two-year-old. You know what I mean? Like
0: they're collapsible. They look like a hamper almost. Yes. It looks like a big worm version of like a jack-in-the-box. So it's like a a fabric spring. Oh,
1: shit. You're so right. I was thinking about this in individual pieces and not... (laughs) That makes so much more sense. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so this Jack in the Box thing is devouring Jordan like it's a snake. Mm -hmm. And Tom shoots at it, but it's scurrying away. Meanwhile, downstairs,
0: Howard is attacked by gingerbread men armed (laughs) with a staple gun, gun, a nail gun? A nail gun. A nail gun. Okay, that's a funny moment because the gingerbread men are like laughing. How many are there? Maybe like three or four of them. They're all like helping each other hold this nail gun. It's funny. Eventually, like, he's able to fight them off, but there's one that he misses with his shot. And just when you think he's toast, Rosie comes out of nowhere and eats it, (laughs) which is such a good moment because Rosie was just criticized for being useless earlier. (laughs) Meanwhile...
1: An owl doll attacks Sarah in the attic. Oh, it's like an angel doll. I am missing all of these It's things. an angel. I was like, what yeah. are these creatures? You're so right. It looks like the angel on top of a Christmas yes. tree. But it looks like Tiffany from the Child's Play franchise. <laughs> bride of Chucky. Looks like her, just with some wings. I was like, what is this owl demon? I apparently was like losing my mind when I was watching this because I'm like, why are all of these things what they are? Um, And I was like, again, keep Tony Collette out of the attic. Yeah, keep keep her on one floor, keep her away from fireplaces, keep her away from the attic, especially
0: the rafters. Right.
1: We all know bad things happen. Meanwhile, a rabid teddy bear is attacking Linda and a robot is attacking Tom.
0: Yeah, it's pure chaos. I don't even know how they get out of this. It's giving
1: like spy kids to Island of Misfit Toys contraptions.
0: Yes. I wrote Linda's house fucking around and it stabs the teddy bear. She tries to get to the worm. She can't, but she does find Stevie. So Stevie is still okay. She's covered in like slime, but the worm only got Jordan, I guess. Downstairs, Rosie goes into the vents to try to get the worm out who has slithered its way into the vents. But we hear as she's eaten, which is so sad. Rip Rosie. And then Dorothy arms herself, finishes off the evil angel and the bear, who was not dead, but now is dead. And before she can take her shots at the worm, the elves break in.
1: Yes. This was also my favorite line of the movie because they are all now back downstairs. And Howie's like, what happened up there? And Linda's like, you don't want to know, sweetie. He's just like, I just got my ass kicked by a bunch of Christmas cookies. I think (laughs) I can handle it. (laughs) I'm like, oh my God. Like a lot of good good one-liners. Oh my gosh. But yes, the elves are here.
0: Dorothy is taken. The baby is taken. Howard tries to get to the worm and he's taken. Omi, Max, mom, dad, Linda, and Stevie are now the only ones left.
1: So they decide to make a break for it. But then Omi does one of those you go, I'll stay, valiant effort types of things. So as they make their escape, the fire goes out, the chimney splits open, Krampus descends, and this is the first time we're seeing him up close. He's got the long Santa beard, but a gray and ashen, you know, his face looks human, but very like old and grotesque. I wrote he kind of looks like the zombies in like the Scooby-Doo Zombie Island movie.
0: Yes! Oh my gosh. Isn't that so right? That is so right. The way his mouth looks. His
1: skin is so like leathery. Yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. That's so accurate.
1: But then obviously with the hooves and the chains and the black hood and horns, all of the things. He's got a long Freddy tongue.
0: Oh yeah. Oh my God. It's a very unsettling detail.
1: But he opens his bag of toys, Omi looks down in fear, and that's the last we see of her.
0: Yeah. So back outside, the family is moving toward the plow. They're thinking getting into that plow or whatever tow truck it was and trying to get out is their best shot. But that snow snake is back, which makes sense if it would be the the jack-in-the-box if he's back in the snow and he's coming. And yeah, and that also makes sense too, because, like, if that's the original Jack in the Box we saw face off against Beth. Yeah, then maybe Beth is in there too. Maybe that's why it's so massive. It just has the whole neighborhood in there.
1: And (laughs) I remember too that since they had boarded up the windows and doors, they were all trying to get outside and they couldn't get outside until the elves broke in. Oh, that makes sense.
0: The snow worm, maybe Jack in the Box is back. Tom turns around to shoot at it, but he knows that he's going to have to stay to fend it off if his family's going to have a chance. So he stays, shoots at the worm, snow worm, until he's out of bullets, and then he is taken, which is very sad.
1: We have a very tearful goodbye between him and Tony Collette, and it's it's very Ugh.
0: good. Linda is next; she gets taken, trying to get Stevie into the plow first. And then Sarah <laughs> trying to get Max in. She's gone. And now it's just Max and Stevie, the cousins. Yes. And Max is trying to drive. And
1: he's like, I don't know how to drive a stick. We have a hybrid. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, You're also
0: 10. I love that too. I don't even think this thing starts. It's too cold. It's it's messed up. So the elves come in and they drag Stevie away into the snow, leaving just Max. Then Krampus arrives and gifts Max his torn up letter, which serves as wrapping paper that surrounds his very own Krampus Bell, as the voiceover from Omi's previous story plays from the part where she was left alone and left a bell.
1: Yes, he left me as a reminder of what happens when hope is lost, when belief is forgotten and the Christmas spirit dies. God, it's quite the price to pay for losing
0: hope. Yeah, and you're also 10. Like you're allowed to yeah. be emo for a little yeah, bit. what the fuck? So Max isn't having it. So he gets out of the plow to go hunt Krampus down and is like, hey,
1: asshole. (laughs) Yes, on his vigilante shit. (laughs) On his vigilante shit.
0: Which this scene feels very a Christmas story, like standing up to a bully. And he approaches Krampus and says that he takes back his wish. He demands for his family back. And he throws the bell that Krampus just gave him back at Krampus's feet.
1: So then the ground opens up as a portal to hell. Yeah. (laughs) The elves have Stevie right by the entrance of this hole to hell and threaten to send her down max then asks to take him instead and i liked this language parallel here because first he's like give me back my family and then he says take me instead and it's that idea that santa gives and krampus takes oh yeah so when he says give me my family he says no but when he says take me instead krampus agrees Mm -hmm. so i liked that that was a little bit of a play there LOL, by Stevie. They drop Stevie anyway. Yeah. And then Krampus holds Max over the pit, drops him in. I said he does the fall from Body Snatchers 93. (laughs) JK, it was all a dream. Kind
0: of. Yeah. So then Max descends into the pit and then wakes up in his room. It's Christmas Day, according to his advent calendar. He walks his way downstairs. Everyone is alive and waiting for him to open presents. I love Stevie and Jordan get like iron knuckles. Brass knuckles. Brass knuckles. knuckles. You're thinking Iron Fist. I'm thinking Iron Fist. (laughs) Sarah gets a taxidermied animal from Howard and Linda, which I think is funny. And then there's a mysterious present. Max opens it up. It is a Krampus bell.
1: And this is so Polar Express because he gets the bell back.
0: Uh Uh-huh. Oh, wow. The first time he was probably happy to get rid of it. But as we zoom out on this happy family, we see that they are inside of a snow globe. And then we see that that snow globe is in a room of snow globes. And then we zoom in even more and see that Krampus is in a room full of snow globes.
1: And these snow globes are the families that he has taken.
0: Well, that's the thing I have here. So, a couple of ideas about what this ending might mean. Okay. So, from the Screen Rant article, Krampus Ending and What the Snow Globe Really Means, explained by Steve Kufari... Quote, the controversy surrounding what the snow globe really means revolves around whether or not it represents a happy ending for Max or a tragic one. The director himself, Michael Dougherty, refuses to give up what type of ending he and his co-writers, Todd Casey and Zach Shields, intended. The snow globe may be interpreted as the Krampus' viewpoint into a portal to the real world, much like Santa's naughty or nice list and his reindeer and sleigh. Taken this way, the ending of the movie is a happy one. The snow globe may also be interpreted as a prison for Max and his family for losing their Christmas spirit. However, it is most likely a happy ending since Omi had a similar experience and didn't end up in a snow globe. When Omi encountered the Krampus, she never took back her wish and thus lost her family. Max did the opposite and got his family back. It makes sense that Max's opposite action would produce an opposite result to that of his grandmother. Additionally, none of Max's family was actually seen being killed, which could mean that the Krampus was giving Max time to rescind his wish, testing him. Despite the controversy surrounding the snow globe, at least one thing is for certain. The real meaning of Krampus's ending, and in fact, the entire movie, is to be careful what you wish for. Christmas is supposed to be about giving and spending time with the most important people in one's life. But I also think it's like him getting his wish in the
1: nth degree where he's like, I want Christmas to be like it used to be. But that's all it's ever going to be forever and ever and ever and ever and ever because he's stuck in this snow globe. Especially because you see that scene of the family all remembering the events of the evening all at the same time.
0: Yes, they do share many knowing glances. It's like that episode of Fairly Odd Parents mm-hmm. when Timmy's like, I wanted to be Christmas every day and then he gets tired of it. It looks like that would be the prison that they're in. Exactly. We just get to see like moment one of day one. Yeah, I think it's appropriate that the ending isn't
1: happy. I don't want it to be happy. I want Krampus to win and he did. And that's the way I think about it. Either way,
0: even if it is a happy ending, he's looking at them. Yeah. He's looking at them. I read another trivia piece that they hid a bunch of houses in there. Like the director's childhood houses in there in one of the snow globes and the psycho houses in there in one of the snow globes. Awesome. And there are so many snow globes. But then it's like, I feel like a snow globe is kind of like a keepsake. If Krampus spends all of his time punishing people for their poor holiday spirit, do you think he would see it as like a shining star on his resume if he's able to turn some families back? Or is, it, is he just like all about punishing?
1: I don't know. It's making me think of the hair, robe, and bones at all last week uh-huh. where I look at it as like, ah, look what me and my folks were able to accomplish. Like all of these people are stuck here or... I terrorized this family. trophy room. I broke into this house. All that kind of stuff.
0: I like to think of it as happy. (laughs) Um, And especially if this takes it after A Christmas Carol in a couple different ways. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it really does not give you much. It's all up to interpretation, which I appreciate as well. But this is fun.
1: It's no better watch out. But again, if you know what this is going to be when you go into it, it really is just some funny shit.
0: It is really delightful. I liked it. I liked all the crossovers between the themes in this movie and familiar themes from other movies. I thought some of the dialogue was so amazing. Yeah, I really enjoyed this. And if you are interested in keeping up with us or making other recommendations for future episodes, please email us at thehorrorspodcast at gmail.com and or follow us on Instagram at thehorrorspodcast. And
1: until next time, we're the horrors. Bye. Bye. Bye.